0: Second Chronicles two and three, and we'll pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that um, you've allowed us to come together and to worship you in spirit and truth with song and prayer. And now we're diving into your word. And as JC prayed, we pray that it would affect us in such a way that um, we would uh, be doers of your word passionately. And we wouldn't be forgetters. We wouldn't be hearers only. But we'd actually follow through. Is that that's what we see here in the chapters? As there's been a lot of planning about this temple, there's been a lot of thoughts, a lot of collecting of stuff, but uh, today Solomon determines to begin. And uh, that's, that's everything. That's our walk with you. Um, we can study, 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 memorize, 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 but sometime we have to determine to begin and to do it. And so Lord, we pray that we'd receive everything you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. In chapter 2, Then Solomon determined to build a temple for the name of the Lord and a royal house for himself. Solomon selected 70,000 men to bear burdens, 80,000 to quarry stones in the mountains, and 3,600 to oversee them. Solomon determined, and that's what we were just praying about. He made the decision to start. We've got to start, you know. Um, Whenever you have a building plan. You, you, there's a process you have to go through, but eventually someone's got to get out there and grab a shovel, you know, and start digging. And that's the exciting part, breaking ground. We have breaking ground ceremonies, you know. It's exciting when we begin to do, you know. Um, we've got one going on for our little addition that we're going to have here someday. Maybe this spring is what we're shooting for. But um, planning and thoughts and, you know, will that work? What angles should we use? How much this, how much that? But eventually, we're going to make one of you excavators out there get out there and dig it for us and, uh, for free. Uh, no. <laughs> and then we're going to have David uh, pour the concrete for free. Um, no. It's going to be exciting when you begin, and it always is. Um, it's exciting to be, receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's excited to be baptized. Uh, but the best part is when you begin to do it. You begin to interact with people and share Jesus with other people and begin to live out that life out loud in front of them that they might see. And that's what we see here. Solomon determined. And it is determination. There are some days where it would be easier not to dig or not to participate or walk in the Lord. Um, you have to be determined. It's a, it's a long haul. Uh, it's, a, it's a marathon. Um, and there are some days you, you just need to do it. Um, It isn't going to be all, you know, cotton candy. It's going to be tough. And so he determines. And he's building it for the name of the Lord, not for himself. He's not building it to make a name for Solomon, um, although it is called Solomon's Temple. But that's not his doing. That's what it got dubbed by everybody else that would see it, especially from other nations, because it was built during his time period. That's Solomon's Temple. Well, it's not. It's the Lord's and it was meant for him. And Solomon starts off that it's for the name of the Lord. It's his name is worthy. It's 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 a big deal. It, um, he needs to be worshiped. It's it's a place for us to come and offer up incense to the Lord. He says here later on, it's it's very important um, that we have this place to do this thing that he's called us to um, this is for his name and he's going to build a royal house for himself. So he selects a bunch of people uh, to help out and. Um, uh, they're going to carry, they're going to do different works, assigning them their tasks. And he writes a letter, and we've read this letter before, or a version of it anyway, in 1 Kings chapter 5, verse 1. Remember, we're hearing the same thing again, pretty much a few nuances. Um, but for the most part, it's identical. He's sending this to Hiram, king of Tyre, and this guy's interesting. Um, he's a believer. He's, he has to be. I mean, I don't know how much of a believer he is, but the way he speaks... And that's what you go by. And the way he acts towards David or towards Solomon, um, you, you, get the, you get the impression that he worships the same God or at least understands who he is. And so Solomon writes this letter to Hiram, king of Tyre, asking, you know, because you've got to ask. You're not going to receive if you don't ask. As you have dealt with David, my father, and sent him cedars to build himself a house to dwell in, so deal with me. Behold, I am building a temple for the name of the Lord my God, to dedicate it to him, to burn before him sweet incense for the continual showbread, for the burnt offerings morning and evening, on the Sabbaths, on the new moons, and on the set feasts of the Lord our God. This is an ordinance forever to Israel. I'm building this temple, and I need the stuff. I need things that you have, the same kind of things that you bought for my King David or my dad David your friend uh, you sent down all the cedar for his house i'm doing something for the lord i want you to be a part of this i want to i want you to be the supplier and 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 give insight and wisdom from some of your craftsmen bring them down he's asking and i'm doing this for one reason we're not building a building for building's sake this is ministry 101 a lot of people have the mindset, you remember that Field of Dreams movie? Build it and they will come, kind of thing? Not the best way to do ministry. Not, in my opinion, the way to do ministry at all. You build for the ministry that you have. For the things that are needed for that ministry. He's not building a a temple for the sake of having a big golden thing on top of a mountain. He's building it so that we can do one thing. It says, to burn Before him, sweet incense, to do the continual showbread for burnt offerings, morning and evening, the Sabbath, the new moons, and the feast of our God. We're doing this to worship him. It's what happens in the temple. It's it's what happens around the temple. It isn't the temple for the temple's sake. It's a place. It's a location. We're adding so that we can all be in one service again. I, I look forward to that. I want that. And we want to meet the needs that we have, the, the desire to fellowship more, the things that we want to do, you know, or, or that we lack sometimes. Um, we make it work, you know. But um, anyway, it's, it's for what you have. You, you, you don't build it so that they'll come. You build it for what you have, for what you need. And that's, that's his purpose here. We're going to build this, and he explains that to the king, so that we can worship our God the way we've been prescribed to worship him. We want to do this in verse 5. And the temple which I build will be great. It's going to be big. It's going to be amazing. For our God is greater than all gods. <laughs> Pretty bold to say to a foreign king. It's you're asking for help from, you know? I I'm assuming he he either doesn't care what the king of Tyre thinks if he's a worshipper of other gods and he's ministering to him or trying to witness to him, you know, my God's way bigger than all the other gods out there. Our God is, right? or he knows this guy's heart, that he knows the God that you worship in Israel is greater than all the other gods. Most of the world should know it. They may boast now and then, but none of them have Red Sea stories. None of them have 10 plague stories. None of them have taken care of millions of people in the middle of a desert without, with a zero supply chain. You know, Nobody has those kind of stories. Only Israel has that story. Everybody else has a wooden God that decays over time and they have to make another one. Or, you know, polish it up a little bit, or it tips over and they got to pick it back up again. That's the best stories they have for their gods. So when he says this, he's assuming they either know or that he should know. He's going to be greater than all the gods because he is greater than all the gods. But who was able to build him a temple since heaven and the earth, uh, I'm sorry, since heaven and the heavens, heavens, Cannot contain him. Who am I then that I should build him a temple, except to burn sacrifices before him? It's just a humility there, you know. There's a humility about Solomon, um, which was a which we've we've been studying actually um, in different ways and different aspects throughout the last few chapters that we see come out of this young kid. I don't know how old he is at this time, but when he first prayed to God, uh, and God said, "I'll give you whatever you want. Just ask." This young kid had enough uh, humility to say, I I need wisdom. You know, I need to have understanding to lead this people is a a daunting task. And I don't have the ability to do it. I know that I don't. So I need that. And God says, you bet I can do that. I'll give you so much wisdom. You don't know what to do with it all. You know, you start writing books about stuff. And, uh, And God does and fulfills that. It just showed his humility, though, with that prayer. And this shows his humility. I know that I can't build a temple that can contain him. Now the rest of the world and all the little G gods out there do believe they can build a temple that can contain their God. He knows that all I can do is make a place where we can worship him, that we can burn sacrifices to him. I can't make something that actually holds him. This is more like a gigantic altar. This is all I can do. It's the best we can do. But with that humility, with that purpose, with the ability to start this project. We need to do it, though. We, we need to, in our humility, with this purpose in mind, we need to do it to the best of our ability. I mean, what good is it to know I could have made the temple better, but I decided not to. I, I toned it down a little bit. What in your heart caused you to want to tone down your worship of the true and living God? And that's what struck me as I was studying for this this morning, for this teaching. I don't want to tone down my worship of God at all. I don't want to be careful. I don't want to, I mean, I don't want to step on feelings just to stomp on feelings, but it's important that the rest of the world knows that at least I believe that my God is the greatest God of all. No matter what they worship, I don't I don't need to be respectful of what they worship or how they worship. That's up to them. I'm I'm sorry that your God's so small. That's not my problem. My God's gigantic, He's huge, He's uncontainable, and He's the only true and living God. And that may be offensive to some people, but I'm not going to tone it down for for that. The gospel's offensive. He, He told us that. The gospel's going to be offensive. I don't know why I think I can give out a different kind of gospel that's not offensive to people. It just is. It's either the fragrance of life or the fragrance of death, depending on how they want to smell it. You know, it's the same person, Jesus Christ. It's the same sacrifice. So in my humility, uh, Solomon says, I'm going to make this great temple for my great God that won't contain him. Even when I'm done. It's an interesting blend there. Verse seven, therefore, send me at once a man skillful to work in gold and silver, and bronze and iron, and purple and crimson, blue, who has skill to engrave with the skillful men who are with me in Judah and Jerusalem, whom my father David provided. Also, send me cedar and cypress and algam logs from Lebanon. For I know that your servants have skill to cut uh, timber in Lebanon, and indeed, My servants will be with your servants to prepare timber for me in abundance, for the temple which I am about to build shall be great and wonderful. And indeed, I will give to your servants, the woodsmen who cut timber, 20,000 cores of ground wheat, 20,000 cores of barley, 20,000 baths of wine, and 20,000 baths of oil. I need your help here. But I'm not making you do it by yourself. my guys will be alongside your guys. I'm not asking for a freebie here. This is a joke with David and all my excavators out there. no of course not. They deserve their pay they deserve their their due but but I'm not also going to make you do it by yourself. We're going to be alongside of you with my guys but I need one of your skilled artisans you know one of your guys that knows how to to uh to do gold and, and silver and bronze and how to how to make it look right you know um I I can make a pot of clay. I I have that ability. I know how to do that. J.D. Dirks can make any kind of pot of clay you really want. Now, I don't know how it'll hold up, what it'll look like when I'm done, but it'll be roundish. It'll be concave. It'll hold whatever for however long. But there are some people that just, when they do it, it looks like something. You know how you have those kitchen cabinets, that are either solid or they've got glass doors. Mine would be behind the solid doors. Theirs would be behind the glass doors, you know. You'd want to look at those things. You'd want to see those. You'd want to display them. You'd want to That's what he's saying. I need I need one of your skilled guys to, you know, so when we make a cherub with the wings and all that are going to be fi, you know, that kind of it needs to look like a well like an angel, you know. Not like a third grade, you know. <laughs> we need some skill here. And again, there's the humility. I've, I've got guys, my dad has set aside guys that know how to do this stuff, but I need you to immediately send one of your guys. You know, I, I, know we're, I know that you have that ability. I know that you have that skill, and I appreciate that about you. And I think here lies the difference between being complimentary and flattery. Complimentary versus flattery. Flattery is is a bad thing. We know that from scripture. We don't want to flatter one another. And, and oftentimes you can tell when you're being flattered because there's a there's a there's a and or a comma after they tell you how great you are. You know, David, you're the greatest. You're just the greatest concrete pour I've ever seen in my life. I mean, your walls are straighter than anybody's walls. They're stronger than anybody's walls. I just really appreciate your skill and your giftedness. Comma. You know. And by the way. That's flattery, butter nut. well, he thinks I'm great or whatever, you know, this is different. This is simply complimentary and we can be complimentary towards one another without having to qualify everything we say towards each other with, I know it's not you, it's Jesus, you know, you're a great guitar player, JC, but I know it's not you, it's Jesus. Yeah, thanks, you know, thanks. <laughs> Just keep it to yourself then at that point. It's okay to let another another man's lips praise you, you know. In these things, it's okay to let it go, and it's okay to receive it, you know. Um, the, we know, we know that in and of ourselves, if you're humble, that you're like David or you're like Solomon or like they've got really good skills, they've got great stories behind them. But we we know who the strength was the whole time, and yet they still say he's the greatest king that's ever existed. Well, he wouldn't be the greatest king that ever existed without God. Well, I, we know. We know there's no way that little, you know, pipsqueak could have taken out Goliath. We all know that, you know. So it's okay to be complimentary, and that's all Solomon's doing. Not trying to butter him up. He doesn't need to. Hiram's on board. He's always been on board. This king of Tyre says yes, all the time. He's always just, he's just that guy, you know, that you can count on. And so he's saying, you guys have really good skill to cut the timber, and here's why we don't have any down here. That's why they're asking for it. We need that timber brought down and we know you guys have skill to do it now we'll be there but you probably won't going to give our guys a saw you know we'll drag it with the ropes or however else we got to get it to the water to get it floated down to you you know we know you're going to float it down and get it down to Joppa where the where the port is but um, so we'll do the grunt work but you guys do the skill making it fall where it needs to fall you know that kind of thing we, you guys have that complimentary and we'll pay them we're going to take care of them so, Hiram, king of Tyre, verse 11, responds to this letter with his own letter, sends it in writing. And so, this is somewhat of a contract. I love writing. I love it. Now, in my other line of work, I like to do text messages. I don't like to do verbal on the phone with people. And people that drive, okay, just call me. I will, but we're also going to text because I need to be able to refer back to it. I also need to see what I said, what you said, all these things. And that's why these. Things in writing are very good, you know, because verbal you forget. Did you really say that? What was the date? What was the time again? Man, if it's text or if it's, if it's whatever, you can go back to it, you know. So they're writing back and forth. And so this is an ask, and this is a response, and now they both have it somewhat in writing. He says this to him, to Solomon, because the Lord loves his people, he has made you king over them. And that's not how someone who doesn't know the Lord talks. Because the Lord loves his people. That's not what a, a normal little G worshiper would say about someone else's God. Yeah, I know you, got, you think your God is the greatest God, and he, he certainly has done some amazing things for you. He's not all that, but whatever. You know, there's this qualifying that a, an unbeliever would do, but that's not how he writes back to him. Because the Lord, not a Lord, not a God, but the Lord, and he uses the Tetragrammaton, which is the name of God, We don't know how it's pronounced. It's either Jehovah or Yahweh. Loves his people. A God who loves is very unusual back then, at all, anywhere. A God who loves. He's made you king over them. And that's a bold thing to say to another ruler. You didn't make yourself king. You didn't qualify as king. God made you king. He's on the same page from what I'm reading here. Hiram also said, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who made heaven and earth, for he has given King David a wise son endowed with prudence and understanding who will build a temple for the Lord and a royal house for himself. And now I have sent a skillful man endowed with understanding, Hurom, my master craftsman, the son of a woman of the daughters of Dan, and his father was a man of Tyre. So there's a little intermingling there, a little a mixture of marriage. Now from that, remember I told you this is also written in 1 Kings 5, Um there it says he's a he, she was not a daughter of Dan but a daughter of I think Ephraim is what it says in the other letter so we don't know if there's a conflict there if there's something else going on It doesn't really matter um, you know uh, her dad could have been Ephraim and and her mom could have been Dan you know there's there's ways to get around that or understand that but it's not something you throw the Bible out for um, you know it's not a contradiction it's just paradox we don't understand it really um, but anyway he. he's half you, you know, kind of thing is the idea. It's okay for him to work or for this guy to work on the temple. You know, Um, you kind of wonder, well, these are foreigners. Why are they working on God's temple and all? No, It's not about that. It's about who, who worships this true and living God. You know, Uh, we know it wasn't all Israelis. It was other people, Ethiopians. There's a lot of different people worshiping God. Now they can only come so close, but the, the true and living God was their God too. I've already sent my master craftsman. I've already responded. He's on his way. Skilled to work in gold and silver, bronze and iron, stone and wood, purple and blue and fine linen and crimson. And to make any engraving and to accomplish any plan which may be given to him. With your skillful men and with the skillful men of my Lord David, your father. Now, therefore, the wheat, the barley, the oil, the wine, which my Lord has spoken of, let him send to his servants. And we will cut wood from Lebanon as much as you need. We will bring it to you on, in rafts by the Sea of Joppa, and you will carry it up to Jerusalem. You see the contract there? I mean, it's, it's worded really nicely. It's much better than bullet point A, bullet point B. But he's made it clear, we'll take it as far as Joppa, the waterway, and it's up to you to get it the rest of the way. That's as far as we're going to ship it, you know, kind of thing. There's just interesting how they write to each other. And I'm giving you a guy. not only does he have skill to do it, you can hand him any plans and he'll be able to do it. There's some, there's some people out there that are like that, you know, they just have a way, they... I have a hard time getting instructions from somebody and then not turning it into my thing the way I wanted to do it anyway. I just do. I don't, I don't understand other people's minds, maybe necessarily on projects or things. It's like, okay, yeah, I can see what you're going here. Yeah, no. And, and I go on with what I want to do. You know, uh, There'll be some hints of what they had planned. Um, but it takes a special kind of person to really listen to somebody, hear what they're saying, and interpret it, correctly, and then go ahead and do it. And that's who he sent. One of those guys. That's a skill. That is a gift. And what a blessing for Solomon. Okay. I got this in my head. Okay. My dad's got this written down over here. There's the plans. Here's what we're seeing. The angel's got to have like five foot wings, you know, like this. And and, and I kind of want it like this. And this guy's listening and he's able to then do artistically what's in that guy's head. That's, That's not easy, but he's got that skill. He'll accomplish any plan which may be given to him. What a blessing. Anyway, we'll bring it down as far as the port of Joppa. You'll have to carry it the rest of the way there. They would probably help, but he's just letting them know that's when you take over the the supply there. Verse 17. Then Solomon numbered all the aliens... Who were in the land of Israel after the census in which David his father had numbered them. And there were found to be 153,600 those were just foreigners, uh, Ethiopians, different kinds of folks uh, that weren't necessarily uh, of the tribes of Israel. And he made 70,000 of them bearers of burdens, 80,000 stone cutters in the mountains, and 3,600 overseers to make the people work. So they were watchers and, and helped them, and so employment. Um, some say this is slavery. I don't think so. That's not really what's being indicated here. He just He's using the foreigners to do that work because I want the Israelis on site to put it together, basically. Um, and I'm going to use them. But he does, he does take care of them financially and, and so on and their families. So now chapter 3, really quick. Now Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem on Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah is that, you know... Uh, Genesis 22, Psalm 22, Luke 22, all the same place, all talking about the same subject and things. And here we see this again. This is, uh, this is the Temple Mount right here. And Jesus would be crucified on this same mount further up on the, on the ridge there. But the same idea, Mount Moriah, Mount Golgotha. Okay. They began to build. That's that. It says here, and where the Lord had appeared to his father David at the place that David had prepared on the threshing floor of Ornan. remember that whole deal when he bought it from him. He says, I'll just give it to you. He says, no, I'm not going to take for myself from, from you something that's cost me nothing. I want to pay you full price for this real estate, full price for the oxen and everything to offer sacrifices on. And, uh, and so that's paid for. Um, but anyway, this is the place, that, that threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. And he began to build on the second day of the second month of the fourth year of his reign. So if he was 15 or so, uh, so he's 19 now or so uh, when he begins this project. Man, amazing! This uh, this is I say that amazing because that's pretty young, you know, to start something like this and to be able to fulfill it and 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 follow through and do all that. Neat. This is the foundation which Solomon laid for building the house of God. Here's the dimensions. The length was 60 cubits by cubits according to the former measure. And the reason they say that is because, remember, a cubit was whoever was in charge. It was from their elbow to their middle finger. And so a cubit would change if you were a shrimp king, you know, if you are a tiny little king, all of a sudden, uh, you know, it would turn from 18 inches to 15 inches. So not really a good idea, but, you know. um, So he's going from the last king based off of his measurement, former measures, and the width, 20 cubits, so pretty wide. The vestibule was in front of the sanctuary, was 20 cubits long across the width of the house, and the height was 120. Uh, he overlaid the inside with pure gold. The larger room, he paneled with cypress, and the larger room, he means the holy place. Remember, there's two sections to the temple, holy place and holy of holies. The larger room, he paneled with gold, and he carved palm trees and, uh, and chain work on it. And he decorated the house with precious stones for beauty and the gold uh, was gold from um, Parvam. Uh, he also overlaid the house, uh, the beams, the doorposts, its walls and doors with gold and he carved cherubim on the walls. Okay, so that's kind of like uh, if you're going to do a you know a picture of it. You get this is the side that has the table, showbread, has the uh, the lampstand, has the altar of incense, and it's got palm trees, which kind of shows us that this is the earthly side of things. This is what happens here. And then after that, you're going to have that big curtain, about 18 inches thick, huge blue scarlet, you know, uh, huge thick curtain, the one that gets ripped from top to bottom in Matthew. Uh, chapter uh, 27. That is going to separate the holy place, which is supposed to represent heaven. What happens there? And you don't see palm trees on that side of things, really. Um, and so that's kind of the idea. This is the earthly side. This is the heavenly side, uh, and so on. So I want you to do that. And we get these beautiful carvings on the wall, uh, and he made the most holy place. That's the holy of holies, uh, the second room. Its length was according to the width of the house, 20 cubits, and. Uh, It's with 20 cubits, so 20 by 20 uh, square. He overlaid with 600 talents of fine gold. The weight of the nails was 50 shekels of gold. And he overlaid the upper area with gold. In the most holy place, he made two cherubim fashioned by carving and overlaid them with gold. The wings of the cherubim were 20 cubits uh, in overall length. One wing of one cherub was five cubits touching the wall of the room. And the other wing uh, was five cubits touching the wing of the other cherub. One wing of the other cherub was five cubits touching the wall of the room, and uh, and the other wing was also five cubits. So they're just two two cherubs standing like this, and they're touching, one's touching the wall, and then they're touching each other in the middle here. And then you'd have another one on the other side. Yeah, um, and, and that's one of those things where, you know, picture how you will, but I guarantee you how many our people are here. We all got 100 different ideas of what this looked like, you know. Um, And for this uh, skilled craftsman to come in and hear Solomon say, I need two cherub that look like this kind of thing. And to figure out what he was thinking in his mind and make it look like someone else's mind's eye um, is a big deal. So they do it. Also, he made in front of the temple, two pillars, uh, different. Oh, I skipped the, sorry, I skipped a bunch there. The wings of these cherubim, they all, they touched and they spanned 20 cubits overall. They stood on their feet and they faced inward. Uh, and he made the veil of blue, purple, crimson, fine linen, uh, and wove cherubim onto it. And this is the one where it depends on what you read: 15 to 18 inches thick. I mean, heavy curtain, um, heavy thickness there. Um, and this was ripped in Matthew 27:51 from top to bottom, and uh, and that was the barrier. Uh, it was meant to be a barrier, a protective barrier. Um, the, the curtain was never meant to keep people from God it was to protect people from his holiness because they were unholy, you know. Um, and once Jesus came and the earthquake and the veil was ripped from top to bottom, uh, that was never to be mended again. They were never supposed to sew that back up again. We've talked about that because now Christ has made us holy. We can come into the presence of God. Uh, Hebrews chapter four, verse six, with boldness, we can come and, and speak with our father. There's no more barriers anymore. My sin is no longer a barrier that makes me flammable, basically, in the holiness of God. I can boldly come. And and so that's this curtain that for now, this is as close as I can get to you, God would say. And this is as close as you can get to me until Christ comes, until he, the veil, becomes uh, broken on the cross. And and now that is ripped from top to bottom and you can boldly come to me. But until then, we've got to have this curtain. Also, he made... In front of the temple, two pillars, 35 cubits high. And the capital, or that cap on top, uh, that was on the top of each of them was five cubits. He made wreaths of chainwork, as in the inner sanctuary and put them on the top of the pillars. And he made 100 pomegranates and put them on the wreaths of chainwork. Then he set up the pillars before the temple, uh, one on the right hand and the other on the left. And he called the name of the one on the right hand, uh, Jakin or Yachin, um, and the name of the uh, of the one on the left was Boaz, and that means whom Jacob means whom God strengthens, and Boaz means fleetness, strength, and stable or stability. Okay, and those are the two pillars that we see outside uh, the temple here. Just a, a reminder when you whenever you'd see the the temple and you'd see the beautiful gold and all that, you'd see those two pillars, and that's Jacob, and that's. And that's Boaz. God strengthens us. We, our strength comes from no place else. It's, it's amazing how the Bible doesn't change from Old Testament to New Testament. Um, I, when I'm weak, he is strong. My strength comes from Jesus. Uh, fleetness, strength, and stability. Um, Boaz, uh, of course, that's a, that's a whole other you know, a, a character study that you could do about Boaz. Um, but they're reminded of that. Strength comes from God and my, my stability Upon whom I stand, my rock is upon Jesus Christ as, as well. Um, that's, that's everything. all right. And that's where we close this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we were able to cover these two chapters to receive um, a, a lot of instruction, but a purpose for every one of these uh, directions that you've given to Solomon and, um, and Hiram. It's, it's neat to see these guys come together um, to do this work for you. One understands his position and humility. He's king of Israel and yet knows, and this Hiram knows he's being brought in. He, he understands that this isn't about him or his people necessarily, but they can still participate. They can still come. It's uh, very picturesque of the Jews and being the natural olive and olive branch. And, uh, and, and we're grafted in. Um, and what a great picture that we get to participate and be a part of this. I pray that we'd walk in this. Uh, The application here has got to be done by your spirit in our lives. Things that came to our minds as we're uh, studying this this morning, for each of us, probably different things. Your spirit brought to our minds and brought to our hearts things that maybe need to change or maybe things we need to walk in or maybe we're supposed to start something uh, and shouldn't delay anymore. We can't plan forever or whatever it is. Help us to be doers of your word now that we would begin whatever it is you have for us. Lord, we love you with all of our hearts, and we thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer before you go, please come up. Be glad to pray with you. If you need a box, grab a box. Um, Otherwise, have a good rest of the week.